Now, the greatest story never told with Miles and Thrill. Oh, look! It's episode 41. Wow. Who would have thought we made it this long? I thought we only did a 30-episode uh, a uh, contract on this, didn't we? Was it 35 episodes? Man, we were just you're getting I thought your thought it was 13, like getting, 13 a season, right? Like yeah. TV. You're getting your value out of this deal, man. What a deal. The greatest story never told podcast is. And as we say all the time, when uh, the podcast uh, begins, I'm sure you hear some type of commercial in the 30-second variety. Uh, that is wonderful news that our podcast is actually being uh, sponsored to some degree. But then again, we also offer what we call the, quote, unofficial uh, sponsorship of the Greatest Story Never Told podcast, and we start with this email, and it says, Ola Bicholas, I just want to say thanks to you guys for all you do. The men's room is truly a gift the world needs in these economical times. Hope you're doing great as well. I'd like to be an official, unofficial sponsor for The Greatest Story Never Told, episode uh, 41. The podcast is great. Congrats on uh, continuing that as well. Uh, for the Big 4-1, I've donated $41 to the Fisher House. Attached is my receipt. Much love and appreciation from you guys. That from uh, Manuel, Yasmin, and Julie Vera, a.k.a. our little butthead. Our so little we, butthead. Yeah, very so nice. Yeah, a nice, uh, nice family uh, donation there. So that's, uh, that's very cool. And we do ask, if, if you do want to donate to the Fisher House locally, uh, do us a favor and make sure that it's local. Because you can go to FisherHouse.org. That is in Washington, D.C. That is the national chapter. They are the head of all things. And you're not doing any anything wrong by donating, uh, of course, to the national branch. But if you could, we'd prefer that there... You could do less wrong by donating locally. Right, to the Pacific Northwest chapter. There's three Fisher Houses, as you know. When we began this whole thing, uh, there were two in the area. And then we decided to uh, do a really dumb idea. Get drunk one night at Elysian Fields. We go down there. We start drinking beer with Joe at Elysian. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, we actually, that's not true. We were drinking tequila. tequila. Well, yes. we started with beer. It's a it's tequila a, made the night end yeah. differently than beer. Would it's have. a brewery, so we started with sure. beer. Then we ended up in tequila, and then we got the the bright idea. Hey, let's do a beer. Uh, we were pretty trashed at that point in time. Couldn't even remember the next day a lot of that conversation. To be honest, we didn't know we had the conversation at all. We got a text from Joe, and it just said, "Were you guys serious last night?" Which all of us are like, oh, no. Like, what do we do, man? We effed up somewhere. So we were like, maybe. What about? And it's like me making you a beer. We're like, oh, hell yeah. Let's do it, man. Yeah. So he brought us back down a week later. We had all these beers we were going to try, all these different styles of beer and all this stuff. And at this point in time, you have to remember, Elysian was three brew houses. They had one on Capitol Hill, which was their very first location. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had Elysian Fields down by the stadium. And they had one in Tangletown. technically Green Lake, Tangletown area up on top of the hill. So. They never had beer in cans, in bottles. If you wanted a lesion, you had to go and get it on draft at one of these locations. And they were in other bars and things like that. But they really hadn't branched out of the general greater Seattle area, but had been one of the more established and better uh, brewers in the town without question. So uh, we come up with this idea, and then you guys start buying the beer like crazy. And when mm-hmm. I say crazy, it got to the point where they had to call in a favor, and they basically called the guys down in Fort Collins, Colorado, and said, here's the recipe. For the time being, can you do us a favor? Make make our, We'll send all the hops and all the ingredients. You brew the beer. You bottle the beer in 22s. We will ship that beer back on 18-wheelers. So for the first year and a half to two years, that beer that you wanted so bad was coming from Colorado. Because they couldn't keep up with the demand here. They didn't have the yeah. capacity to do they it. They could make the draft here. No right. problem. You know what I mean? But as far as getting into stores, and this was the first idea. Now let's get the beer in stores. Long story short, then we make it to gold, we make it to black, we have all these things. Now we're at the 10-year anniversary. This is 10 years ago. And, you know, uh, through Red Festival, through all the things, through Uli's uh, Men's Room Sausage, we are, 
we are almost, if not at the million dollar mark. Oh yeah, on yeah, money yeah. given to the Fisher House, which is uh, which is an unbelievable thing. And yes, we are still going to try to do some type of uh, anniversary beer, so you know. There is no try. You learn uh, nothing from Yoda. Yeah, we uh, we are. There is no try. There is do or there is do not. Don't quote me on that. But it, that like paraphrase. That. Do do not. Mike says I nailed it. All right, good, good. Do so, or do not. There is no try. Followed by sad ears. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Remember, and, uh, that's real important for Yoda to express his disappointment is have his ears flop like a scared bug's butt. Yeah, that is why you fail. Yeah. Right. You exactly. sound more like Al Pacino. Yeah, I know. That is why you fail, amigo. <laughs> that is not the Yoda I remember. <laughs> A-S-A. Try to sneak it in real quick. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait for more of Baby Yoda, though, on The Mandalorian when that comes out in the fall. I'm kind of looking forward to that. But either way. I hate that I find nothing cute. I know. It's good stuff. So either way, we're gonna, we, we, we've determined uh, through a vote that you guys want a Pilsner. Uh, a Pilsner is uh, is a wonderful choice. Summer's here. Uh, we, we would it's also not a like sour, to know so it's a wonderful choice. What kind of style you like as far as the brand of Pilsner light beer you drink. If you like KISW on Facebook, we've got a couple little uh, questionnaires up there, kind of little polls. Like, hey, man, what beer do you currently drink in that style? So we encourage you to go there so we can get a little better idea what taste you like. Do you like a Czech-style Pilsner, an American-style Pilsner, whatever the deal is? So there you go. We'll help out the Fisher House. And thank you for the donation there, uh, Manuel and the family. All right. Another email here. Uh, What up, guys? What up? I moved out here about 10 years ago. Been listening for uh, four or five years. You guys are the S. I don't think I've ever laughed so hard in my car most times to the point of tears. My favorite thing is hearing Robin laughing in the back. That always cracks me up. Ah, yeah, we don't have best we can do. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I just finished The Greatest Story Never Told in about two weeks, and it's effing hilarious. I was thinking about my favorite episode, though, of your regular show, and it is the one where the dude calls in and starts arguing with Thrill about the N-word, and then Thrill finally asks, uh, do you know I'm black? And that guy's response had me dying. I was laughing so hard. I wish I could have seen that guy's face. Uh, was there anything ever else to it? Maybe you guys could uh, just uh, do a little a quick recap of that. Just an idea. Anyway, keep it real, fellas. Best show ever. Thanks for the laughs. That from our good buddy Aaron Olson. A-O. Thank you, Aaron. That's uh, pretty nice. Well, no, there was no real follow-up with it. You know, once the dude found out I was black, it was all water under the bridge from his perspective. But keep in mind, throughout my entire career in radio, it's been... 21 years in October, October 15th, if anyone cares. Anyway, it'll be 21 years, and for the, oh, I guess for 19 of those years, I've actually been on the air, right? First two years, you're doing all the crap, you hate doing work on holidays, but for the last 19 years, I've been on the air, and the one overwhelming observation that people make, based on my boys, everyone says, man... I thought you were a fat black dude, or fat white guy, specifically, fat white guy from the South. And I've heard that when we were in Baltimore. I heard it when we were in Seattle. When we were syndicated, I'd get emails from people, hey, man, I know you're from the South. I'm like, I'm not. And not only am I not a fat white dude from the South, I'm actually a skinny brother from the North. Mm-hmm. You were close. You got the right country. But otherwise, but it's it's worked it, it, to our it, benefit it, 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 when it, it, we had the interview with the guy from the Klan. Yeah. Sure. Right? It, it, he it, didn't know. I didn't change my voice. I just talked to this guy. And on the same point, when we were in Baltimore, uh, Ted uh, – he he was. They th- everyone thought Ted was black, mm-hmm. just because of his taste in music. Ted grew up in PG County. Uh, as far as culturally, what Ted likes, especially when we were living on the East Coast, you know, I mean that that's the great thing about radio. You have no idea who the hell's behind them. Well, now you do with the internet and everything else. But yep. Back in the day, you had a little bit of uh, you know I don't know. You kind of could hide. 
I can't really you do could, it. Anymore. But I will also say this: when I uh, I was so excited when I started in radio, right? And so you knew the names of most of the jocks, even if you didn't listen to the station, you just knew the names, right? So there's the light stations, the warm stations. Trust me, they're everywhere. Radio's not going to get creative on you. So wherever you go, there's a warm station. There's the light station. They all have the same name, but you knew the names of these jocks. So I get a job, and the station I get hired at is an AM sports station. And sports guys look precisely the same no matter where you go in the country. They all look mm. the same. They are now overweight because they used to be muscular when they played high school sports, possibly collegiate sports. But either way, now they're as much of an expert on sports as I am. And sure. that's the reason I wanted to get out of it. It drove me crazy. But I remember you'd walk down the hall, and I'm all excited. I'm like, man, I'm going to meet these luminaries of voice, these people that have engaged us for years and years and years and years and years. Some of these people you meet and you're like, wow, that is a good-looking person. That happens maybe twice. Overwhelmingly, no, it's at bad. least not because keep in mind, this is pre-internet. People can say whatever they want to say, but the truth is when people can see you, fewer ugly people <laughs> make it to certain right. things. All right. So I remember walking in, and I will not say the names of any of these people, but some of these people have voices. There are a few women. I mean, they just talk to God yeah. direction, right? You and there were two women where I'm like, wow, they are, I mean, just gorgeous and real sweet people, both of them. The rest, I'm like, dear God, what happened? Like, you have been drinking water straight mm-hmm. out of the Amazon without filtering oh, and also, I don't get what's that. And the same thing with the dudes. And there's one particular guy. He's very nice. I would never want to insult this person. He was exceptionally kind to us. I could not believe how big and ugly this guy was. I mean, and, yeah. and the years that I worked with him, and like I said, he's real nice. But we'd bump into each other in the hall, and even when we talked, and he gave me good advice on radio, things to do, but every time I talked to him, all I could think is, this son of a bitch is so ugly. Right. But when you heard him on the air, he sounded, uh, and so he's very good at his job, specifically because his job was to not be seen. And, and a lot of these people have really big egos. I mean, huge egos. And, the worst people always had the biggest yeah, egos. Yeah, and, 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 and some of the ugliest. And you're like, and I don't know what I, I don't know why I equate, you know, uh, you know, ego to uh, to a, to being attractive. But I just, I would assume that you would you would feel a little bit more better about yourself if you were an attractive looking person, you know. So when you get ego from some of these people in radio, you're like, look in the mirror. Like, you got to knock yourself down. Man, okay, I, man. I mean, that, that's serious, man. Like, you, women, men, I mean, you name it. I mean, there was a woman who worked on uh, LIF for a while, and she just thought she was the greatest thing. Little ever. stumpy oh, one? Yeah. She thought she was the bee's knees, the hottest thing you'd ever seen in your life. She was as tall as a no, bee's knees. No. But in her mind. <laughs> she looked like a paperweight. But in her mind. I mean, she, she did, a, man. She looked like oh a God. bookend, like something yeah. you put so other things don't fall over. Yeah, so uh, there's some interesting characters. She took over for Atlas holding up planet Earth when he took a, a smoke break. And to give you an idea, uh, before we play this segment, how radio works, we, we've we been doing this for a long time, uh, over 15 years, you know, so... It, it, when we started out, uh, we're doing guy radio. It, it was very sectioned off, like you know, like like cable TV. Lifetime we know is for ladies. ESPN we know is for sports. Comedy Central is about right, comedy. Right, right, real we were, specific. We were in that guy down to the golf channel. We were in that. I'm yeah, sorry, right. I know you love like it. golf. I love it. How do you have a 24? Whatever, whatever. I watch it I constantly. Just, David Faraday's one of my favorites. Anyway. So we, uh, so, so at that point in time, like we had strippers in, and this is, we're on after Howard Stern, or it's just a different style of radio. And in like most things. By the way, quick side note when you come on after Howard Stern, you can do a lot more stuff because you never, right. it's never yeah. going to be as controversial yeah. as what was just on. So, but, but, but in, like anything in life, like even with Howard Stern, you evolve, 
He doesn't do the lesbian dating game anymore. He doesn't do all these things. He does not bring strippers in. For the most part, if he could, he'd be sitting down talking to Barack Obama. Or he would be talking about someone that he's interested in talking to. And not that he doesn't do some of that little stuff, but he has evolved as well, and so have we. So, in, in not a lot, but there's a lot of things that we don't do anymore. I think he's evolved more. We don't we don't, we don't bring strippers in the, in the studio. We've never done that since we'll be in, in Seattle because there's real n- no strip clubs. Bobby Wagner will tell you, there's no place to go. You don't have to worry about any Seahawk getting the coronavirus because there's no clubs. But either way, uh, you know, it, it's just so – and I think that lends it to, to this. And, I, and, and Steve, I know – I know that I stopped saying the N-bomb on the air at about 2017 because <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was a fine time. But like, I, I don't want to say you were, you were quoting at the time the woman at the Burger King, and you basically just gave the quote of the woman at the counter before uh, this. And I, so I, this listen, is what, what Donovan heard was not Steve dropping the N-bomb in the context of conversation. It was a quote from someone else who said it to him. And okay? I'm one of these people, and, and it's a weird position to be in, but I believe this strongly. Like, look. It can be the N-bomb, it can be the C-word, whatever it might be, the words that you obviously cannot say or should not say. When it is a quote, and I, I believe this should be true for the news, you know, because on the news, it's always stupid when they say, well, you know, so-and-so got in trouble at 7-Eleven for using an ethnic slur. Like, you need to say the slur because then it carries more weight. You know what right. I mean? And you're yeah. quoting. It's like yesterday. You can't go on the news and be like, what's up, my ends? Right. But certainly, if you're saying... This is what happened. This is the statement that was made. I feel you should be able to say it within the context of news. And essentially, mm-hmm. I'm recalling a story. This was not a right. news thing, but this was the quote that a woman, and it was said another black woman, said to me. And, and the truth of it is, not that that particular word made it funny, but you kind of understand where I was, probably what this person right. looked like who's talking to me, and we, it, it just kind of makes the we, whole quote. We, when we moved out here, fast food traditionally is young people. You know what I mean? On the East Coast. So there's a lot of young people who work there. And when you're in Baltimore, most of the young people in the city are black. If you go on the outskirts of it, there's white pockets too, but it's typically a young person. So like anything else, you know, those jobs are what, what, what those jobs are. But when we came out to the West Coast, it was a bunch of white people working at fast food, and a lot of them were middle-aged and older. So it was just a different thing. And so when we walked into a McDonald's, like, hi, how are you? Welcome to McDonald's. It's good to see you. I remember her quote. And, now, that, and, keep that, and that was why we brought up the conversation. We were bringing up the differences in how that we Baltimore were. has yeah. Baltimore, and I'm and I mean, and look, I love my city of Baltimore, but I also recognize what is wrong with my city of Baltimore. So understand if you go to Baltimore and you've never been there before, or if you've never been east of the Mississippi, it would be the equivalent of walking into a prison. The way they speak to you, the way they greet you. And, like, look, if you're sensitive, don't go because they don't Mm. care. All right? So when you went to a fast food place, people spoke to you as though they knew you. But it didn't mean they were friendly. Imagine that you knew everyone that worked at a fast food place and none of them liked you. It's not that they don't like you, but if you you were, like, stuck talking to someone that you know, but they don't, that's kind of under treat. So we, we get to Seattle and we walked into a McDonald's and this was her quote. Good morning. Welcome to McDonald's. How can I help you? Like the commercial. And Miles and I looked at each other like, are they filming? And I'm not kidding. We never, (laughs) I know how stupid this sounds, not once in my life on the East Coast did anyone ever say anything remotely like that. Yeah. Hold on, bitch. I'll get to you. Like, that's how it was there. Bitch, stand back. Yeah. I didn't ask for your order yet, mother. Mm -hmm. Right? And it's no big deal. That's just how it is. Or you get up there and you'd be like, it's my break time. 
<laughs> yeah, straight up. And you're man. like, what? I have to get in the underlying, the other register? Like, you yeah. Can, yeah. Or you can wait here oh, for man. me to be done with my break. Like that's <laughs> that is how. So I think that's what that's the food right. buying experience. So so the, this guy Donovan, he hears this conversation and he hears the N word over there, which we don't do anymore. Uh, back to the context of it. There was a story I want to tell you real quick yesterday in China, in uh, in uh, California about a woman who was speaking disparagingly about a Chinese worker at a convenience store. And she kept hurling racial slurs. All right. They don't put what the racial slur is in the store. So, of course, I'm like, well, I think I know what it is. But that's the problem. You know what I mean? But the, but, but the but quote wait, from wait, her, wait. you know, it should be in the story. Well, wait. All right. I feel like with black people, we can pretty much guess. Mm-hmm. If you say a racial yeah, slur, that's it. Like, is in that the, what you think it is? In the armor, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> that's the only thing I'm guessing. That's the only thing I can guess, but right. I've heard other things where uh, I feel yeah, like, I look, put it this way. As far as the racial slur thing goes, <laughs> I feel like one of the advantages oh. of being black, uh-huh. there's pretty much just the one. Like, mm-hmm. there's a million different things you say, but the one that ever gets The one that stays. Like, we know what it was, but when you say other, like if they said, you know, they were from India or... They're Chinese. I'm like, all right, well, I think I know, but you don't want to ask because if you hazard a guess and they're like, no, that's not mm-hmm. at all. It's like that progressive commercial with Bigfoot. And she says, something, 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 Bigfoot. And he's yeah. like, what did you call me? My name is Daryl. So think about right? it. So, think, so th- here's a scenario. You got a, you got a black guy driving down the road in his car. He's listening to our radio show and he hears the end bump. Mm-hmm. All right. Oh, I love where his heart is. This does not please him. And he, probably for the first time in his life. He picks up the phone, and he calls a radio station. Sure, I don't, sure. I mean, I was 14 the last time I called a radio station. So let's go back in time. And uh, this is the phone call that we got after that went over the air. And the call we got from a, a gentleman named Donovan. Hello, Donovan. Welcome to the men's room. How you doing? Hola. 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 Hey, I just wanted to say, man, look, I can understand that you have a game called, you know, uh, Ghettoopoly, and you have the other game called Redneckopoly, and all that stuff. I get it, but being an African American, hearing you say "niggeropoly" is kind of on the fence. You know what I mean? I listen to you guys show all the time, but it gets a little much when you start throwing the N word around. You know what I mean? I hear you, but I will say this. It, it is absolutely on the fence. But there's two ways you can look at this, and, and I've taken my own path on this. And, and true, it's for anyone. The one side says, look, if everyone just stops saying that the word goes away, and in my experience, that is not even remotely close to being true. So I feel like I'm going to step in reality with that. That's my position on it. You can disagree, but the word hasn't gone away. I can promise you. So the other side of that is take it head on, and what happens is you get to do exactly what you're doing, which is you have a discussion about it head on. Instead of just complaining about what you don't like to hear, which all of us could do, and it's human nature, and you're absolutely right, but the flip side is... When things come up, if you can talk about it in a form like this, not all that political crap, not the soapbox, not the podium, it's not for TV to advertise my hair relax and all the rest of this garbage and BS that we're fed all the time, we will sit here and we can have an open and honest conversation. So I get what you're saying. I'm probably not going to stop. But understand, that's not, <laughs> but understand, that's not to offend you. I'm just saying the point is at least someone like you calls and says their piece. But I will well, not yeah. sit here and go on the soapbox about it. I can see it could bug people, but the point is, the word does exist, so if it's going to exist, well, I'm going to take it, and I'm going to make it my own. I'm not going to run away from stuff. I'm not going to bury my face, and I'm not going to pretend it doesn't happen. That's for guys that are on a soapbox that are lying to you. But that's not the position we're in. That's not something we enjoy people doing to us. So instead of insulting people's intelligence and tiptoeing around the word, 
Because to me, there's no difference between saying N-bomb and saying nigger. If you said N-bomb, well, the implication's already there. That's almost more insulting. So I'd rather just say That's it That's what directly. I say. Well, well, <laughs> that, me too. I go with N-bomb too. I go with N-bomb. I don't, you tell me how to say it, I'll say it. If anyone else is listening, I'm an N-bomb guy. I'm going to speak from too. the white contingency on this show and say N-bomb is safe by me. Yeah, it's just not me, man. I just don't bury my head in the sand. It's not good and nothing gets done. You know? You're not even letting me, start. You're not even letting me say anything. Look, go, go ahead. It's like this. You shouldn't say stuff. That you wouldn't say in some in somebody's face, you know what I'm saying? I would say that, that in anyone's that's face. That's the truth because I, I I bet you five a million to one you wouldn't go up when the Seahawks are around and start dropping the N word without getting you know put in your place. So, Why would I know, drop the N bomb as a black guy exactly, anyway? I'm a black dude. Exactly, Why would I say exactly. it? Exactly. That's what I'm saying. So if you ain't going to say it to somebody's face, you don't even need to say it at all. Well, Donovan, listen, I would say it to anyone. So I'm not a guy that backs down from saying stuff. I Be- bet you would. Uh, oh. I bet you would. And I bet you've never said that in a group of blacks. Ever. <laughs> Are, Ever. Are you kidding me? Yeah. No, I'm not. And I bet you if you did, you, you'd get put in your place, little homie. Why now, would man, I get put in my place for what? You know what. I don't know what. Saying that word, yeah, hey, all right. Donovan, test Donovan. Theory. Test that theory out sometime. Donovan, test it out. Donovan, at least. Donovan, hang on. Do you know that I'm a black dude? So when I do hang out with my black friends, it gets dropped a lot. So I've said it a lot in front of black people. My family will say it around each other. My little piece of ass cousin, trust me, that's his goddamn nickname you're every other month. You're black. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God, Donovan. Are you kidding Are you me, kidding Donovan? Jesus. Yeah, I'm a oh, black guy, so when man. I choose to you drop the word nigger, Welcome. that's quite all right. I'm giving it this. <laughs> I'll tell you what, Donovan, check out the website, all right? Just go to KISW.com. Wow. So so here's my other problem. When people pass judgment because of my voice, because there's some assumption that a black guy is not supposed to sound bright, that's another problem, too. No oh, one's saying up. you sound bright, though. You see what I'm saying, man? No one's saying you sound bright. You know, that is a fine point. I just sound white, not smart. You've been listening to The Greatest Story Never Told with Miles and Thrill on Radio.com. Oh, man! A Double Flush production.